2: prospect analyst james anderson great to be talking with you again james we got uh, quite a bit to get to we'll eventually get around to your 148 al central prospects you need to know from your latest farm futures but i thought we'd spend some time talking about the great fantasy baseball invitation all those drafts underway uh moving along at a snail's pace in most most instances uh that's all right let's hear your team though so far james I, i'm pretty excited because i don't think you know you maybe shared a few few picks with me but i've not heard your full team so uh, what do you got
3: well yeah uh someone just timed out in mine uh, and got auto auto picked so uh i mean i think on paper it's the league of death but it's it's the (laughs) league of death in terms of just waiting for your turn to pick as well
2: the league of Um, wanting death accepting yeah
3: yeah uh (laughs) So I went uh, Shane Beaver, Brandon
2: Woodruff. And from the – was it from the 10-hole? Yeah, let me pull up my draft board here. Sorry, I Um, thought it was 10 or 12 or
3: something. Yeah, 10. 10. So Beaver, Woodruff, Tim Anderson, Vlad, Jose Altuve, Nelson Cruz.
2: Very nice. I'm picking from the 11th. So far I've got Yelich. Darvish, Xander Bogarts, who I'm a little nervous about now with his health, uh, George Springer, Zach Plesak, Nick Castellanos, Altuve, who I know you got in your beat James Anderson league, right? Um, and then Brad Hand and then Chris Bryant. I was hoping one of Sandy or Sixto would come back to me, but then those guys just went on at the turn. So I'm three picks away now. I, I need to add that third starter. So options drying up a little bit. I mean, I used to like Julio Urias, but now... I mean, Maybe he ends up in the bullpen, so I'm going to have to get creative. I have to say, though, I haven't had any timeouts, but just get it together, guys. I mean, just make your pick. This is not a game of, you know, I'm going to be on the clock at the right time or I'm going to, you know, it's not a game of clock luck or something. Just use, beat me in fantasy baseball, don't. Don't make me uh, go crazy here, but I, you know, for the most part, our draft's moving along okay. One guy's intent on keeping his average pick time over an hour through nine rounds. He shall remain nameless. But um, there is a draft well, etiquette that I think people should should uh, abide by.
3: I mean your your draft's going faster than mine, man. We're we're not even halfway through the seventh round.
2: I was actually looking at all the publicly available boards because I thought mine was moving so slow, and we are probably one of the faster moving ones. It's um, hard to believe, but I get you know it's only thirty rounds and we got plenty of time before opening day. But um, and maybe those people who just drafted Framber Valdez may want to use up their full clock. For their next pick uh, that's that's pretty brutal. I want to say before we get into prospect stuff, I did get to see Hunter Green last night pretty ugly outing you did touch like 103 but hung a breaking pitch to jose iglesias which iglesias just crushed the reds had to call it after two outs uh just because the pitch count was getting up there seems like he's pretty far ways off and i'm pulling for the kid but honestly it looks like bullpen all the way last night
3: yeah i mean that someone hit me up on twitter about like are you concerned and it's just like that's kind of what I expected I mean that's what everyone that's kind of the book on him right now is it's just velocity no movement secondaries need a ton of work so uh tough guy to rank I got him ranked 150 right now uh could see a case for him being lower than that I I don't really see a case for him being much higher than that and I uh I'm pulling for him for sure I mean he, he was just a really really special arm but there's a there's a reason why prep varieties never go one one i mean he was probably the closest to going one one uh from that subset since i've been doing this and still didn't happen just because so much can go wrong
2: yeah you know he got the pitching ninja treatment after one of those heaters and uh, the heater is great but i saw somebody you know quote retweet that uh (laughs) The pitching ninja thing is like, oh man, I'm all in. It's like, did you see any any other pitch he threw in that outing? Because it was not pretty at all. I mean, yeah, when Jose Iglesias squares up a breaking pitch right over the middle of the plate and hammers it for a homer, not not great. James, tell us a little bit about the beat James Anderson league. Was that last night? Yeah, part of the uh, RotoWire online championship, of course.
3: That was that was a ton of fun. Um I wanted to try a strategy that I know Chris List employed in a draft a few days ago and something that I'd been kind of thinking about trying just because, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I always sort of find myself, you know, I'll get my two aces early And I'll find myself just passing on a bunch of pitchers that I love kind of in that uh, 90 to like 150 range. And I just wanted to see like, you know, what kind of team could I put together if I didn't take the early aces and just sort of pounded the pitchers in that kind of 90 to 150 range. Um, Obviously, I mean, the the key to that whole strategy is you, you definitely have to hit on uh, those pitchers uh but I I started off with five hitters Jose Ramirez, Bryce Harper, Corey Seager, Marcelo zuna Trent Grisham. Uh this is from the 9-hole in a 12-team league. And then uh the other two hitters that were sort of part of this plan were Jose Altuve and Danby Swanson, but I played chicken with the ADP because I I felt like I might still be able to get those guys if I waited around and took a picture there. And I took Zach police who I had been wanting. He's kind of one of the guys that I've just been wanting to get in on, but it just never made sense for me to take him as my SP three. So I'd just been passing on him and I kind of like this. I kind of like him sort of anchoring this strategy because if he does sort of blow up and become Uh, like a top 10 top 15 starter then I'm getting that ace there and I got five hitters in front of them so I went Plesak in the sixth, Altuve in the seventh, Swanson in the eighth and then I took six pitchers in a row uh Rosenthal, Kimbrell, Bundy, Pablo Lopez, Alex Calame, Mike Soroka uh also got Aaron Savali, Herman Marquez, Yusei Kikuchi, Brian Yarbrough, Cal Quantrill. So a lot Jeez,
2: of... that's pretty awesome.
3: Well, a lot of the guys that I've been... You know, a lot of my favorite starting pitchers, really. Um, and so it's just... It's kind of about... Like, can Zach Plesac and Dylan Bundy and Pablo Lopez and Mike Soroka, and can, can those guys give me enough production on the pitching side? Because I, I do think I've got... Uh, a really nice offensive setup. Um, You know, might be a tiny bit light in stolen bases, but uh, I think I'm pretty well set up everywhere else. So I just wanted to give that strategy a try. I mean, we'll we'll see how it works out. But uh, I think it it came came together about as good as I could have hoped.
2: That's awesome. I heard Chris talking about, maybe I was reading his recap, but he mentioned that, that plan was kind of birthed from the idea of, or just from the news that major league baseball will be deadening the ball and that more pitchers will be pitchers that will help you will be more freely available. Of course, the streaming the past few years with the juice ball has been, you know, dangerous waters because you still know what you're going to get. Is that kind of what you were thinking too? Like you'll, you'll just be able to stream more. And some of those guys you took late, maybe better bets to pan out because of the juice ball. Was that on your mind? D juice ball.
3: Uh, yeah. Mine wasn't, mine was less about the deadening of the ball. I know that's, I know that's part of why Chris did that, but, uh, mine was more just like, I think I can hit on some of these mid round starters, like juice ball or no juice ball. Like I think I can hit on two or three of these guys and get uh top 20 production from them in that spot. And that allows me to because that that is I do think there's just a really juicy pocket of starting pitchers there in rounds you know like 9 through 14 9 through 15 and uh, if you hit on a cut like that's kind of when you had your monster year a couple of years ago you hit on a few starting pitchers in that that range that ended up returning like SP1 production and when you do that and you t- you went hitter early, then I think it really sets you up for a, a nice season. And that was kind of more my thinking. Is like I, of course, I love the pitchers that I that I love at the top, but I also like these guys. So I just wanted I, I wanted to sort of see what happened if I didn't have to pass on those guys in that range and just needed to hit as many of them as I could, uh, and just kind of try it that way. So it, it really didn't have much to do with the juice ball for me. Um,
2: just a com- you know, more so a confidence that you're gonna. You know, uncover some gems, yeah.
3: And if anything, it's uh, it may be, you know, I think uh, the other way around, like the juice ball, if the juice ball is gone, then you want as many of those stud mashers as you can who aren't going to be devalued by the lack of the juice ball. So, you know, being able to get multiple guys like Bryce Harper and Marcel Zuna who just are going to hit their homers no matter what ball we're using, um, I think there's some value to that as well.
2: Absolutely. So you've mentioned, you know, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, guys you like in that range. Who else do you like in that 9-14 to 14 range that you're talking about? Um, we've talked about Kikuchi, you mentioned drafted him. Anybody else you want to maybe give away? Because I'm coming up on the clock here and I don't know who I'm going to pick. Um, uh-huh.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if someone wants to take the time to listen to this podcast to figure out who I like, then that's that's fine. I don't I don't mind giving that away, uh, even though I am hoping to get as many of these guys as possible In and yeah.
2: You don't you don't have to, James. <laughs> no, no, I don't mind.
3: Um, so yeah, I mean, the Sandy Alcantara, uh, Dylan Bundy, Pablo Lopez, um, Kevin Gaussman, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton. I mean, it's those important. are, those are kind of, I want to get, I want to get like three of them if I can, um, um it, in that strategy. Like I, I really think, um, like Alcantara, Bundy, Lopez, Gaussman, McCullers, Sibali. Morton, like, I like yeah, a little later. I mean, later. I, I, like those are the guys that I think can actually finish as top 25 starters. Uh, I don't really think Savali can, but I think he's just, he's a nice sort of like SP4, SP5 in this strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like getting like I got Marquez as my sp6 and I'm just going to sit him at home pretty much whenever I can because I don't need to I'm not relying on him right like I didn't take him as my sp3 I True. took him as my sp6 so I'm just going to start him on the road uh, so yeah I mean I think those are the guys and like you know I don't if Kyle Hendricks is my sp1 or Zach Plesak is my sp1 I'm, I'm totally fine with that as well um, so yeah I still haven't gotten McCullers anywhere. I still haven't gotten Gaussman anywhere. Uh, but definitely been peppering the, the Marlins guys and Dylan Bundy in that range.
2: Very nice. Well, I wish you luck. I know in the TGFBI, you're, I think, number two in the three-year, three-year historical rankings. And you've mentioned that in that league, 15 teams, you kind of do like to get a couple of aces early. But you're trying out this new approach in the 15s. I like it. Well, this, the twelve. I, mean, I really? tried
3: this one in the twelve. The right? Twelve, yeah. yeah sorry, um, definitely <laughs> didn't do this in TGFBI. Yeah. Going pitcher pitcher there, but um, it's definitely a
2: different animal.
3: But do you the, see yourself? Thing-
2: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: Well, the big difference to me is just in a in a twelve. You definitely are going to be able to stream guys. Yeah, true. You you can't stream guys in a fifteen, really. Yeah,
2: like that's that,
3: a good point. So it's it's kind of more viable to me in a twelve.
2: Yeah. So do you see yourself in future twelves doing this pretty regularly, or is this was this kind of a one off?
3: Uh I don't know if I actually have any more 12s coming up but um it went it went well enough that I would try it again for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not something where like 15 rounds in I was like oh man this was a mess I don't want to do this again like I I actually really liked it.
2: And like you said like if you hit on one or two of those SPs you're going to be in a really good spot cuz your offense is going to be so dominant. Bully pitching or bully hitting manage, manage pitching is what Todd Zoll always says. Good uh, good luck in that league, James. Of course, there is an overall. My beat Clay Link league is tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, so and I think there's a few, still a few spots left. So if you want to take a shot at that $125,000 overall prize, so we'd love to have you. Uh, you also get a three-month three, three month RotoWire subscription if you finish ahead of me, which is unlikely, uh, granted. But um, anything else on your mind as far as these drafts go, James?
3: Well, I think... I, I did three drafts yesterday, or I did TGFBI, uh, Tout Wars Draft and Hold, and the beat James Anderson League all within the last couple of days, and I'm I'm three for three on Altuve shares. In the,
2: in <laughs> oh, stuff. baby. You so, know, I, I was pretty happy to get him in TGFBI. I was actually one pick away from pairing him up with Dansby in the 15, but Howard Bender, uh, for taking up all of his clock. No, I'm kidding, Howard, but – um. He took him right before me so that I went Brad Hand. Uh, I was really hoping to get that Altuve-Swanson combo, but Altuve, I do feel like he's slipping. I know Jeff Erickson doesn't really like him much anymore. He questions how much he's going to run, which is a reasonable question, but I just think the track record's too good to pass up. Seventh-round pick in a 15, I mean, this guy was going number two overall like three years ago.
3: Yeah, I just I really trust him to have uh put in just a a heck of an offseason like i mean he's a i mean they're all prideful guys but i i mean like you said this was a top three overall pick for a while and he's still like 31 um i I believe i could be wrong about that but i mean i i yeah I, i just don't think he's done i don't think he's washed up and he's gonna be hitting really high in a really good lineup and um like, I would I would take Ozzy Albies over Jose Altuve, but I don't really think the production's going to be that different this
2: year between those two. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, this track record is just off the charts, and it's not like this guy was this good for this long just because he was, you know, they were banging trash cans. I mean, that's just silly to think. And, you know, 219 average during the season, he turned it on the postseason and was off the charts. I also do think, you know, he's created a little distance from those knee issues. Only eight stolen bases over the past two years, but I think this is a guy who kind of wants to run, and I think kind of wants to prove himself again. And he's actually only only thirty years old; doesn't turn thirty one until May sixth, so younger than Whit Merrifield. James, Um,
3: yeah, I mean that's another that's another guy. I mean, like like I I would like Ozzy Albies, I like Whit Merrifield, I like Jose Altuve. I just don't think there should be like a four round gap between those first two and Altuve.
2: Yeah, all those guys you mentioned, essentially, uh, Gossman, Bundy, Alcantara, Sixta, all went since I took Chris Bryant. I should have probably taken one over Bryant in this TGFBI draft, but I just couldn't let Bryant slip uh, past the ninth round. Now I'll have to get creative on the pitching side with only two starters, one closer. In your beat, James Anderson, you said you took Rosenthal, Kimbrell, right? Um, and and Colome. And Colome. Okay, I like that. Uh, did you take any flyers late, like any – no, that, that was
3: kind of the whole point. It was just three relievers early, and then I was just done there and got a bunch of the starting pitchers and hitters I wanted. Like,
2: Nice. Yeah, I know Todd Zolo, when we were talking on the podcast on Friday a couple weeks back after Rosenthal signed, I was like, does this make Rosenthal a top 10 closer? He's like, no, top five. And I was really hoping to get Rosenthal, but when Todd Zola speaks, the people listen, and the market is adjusting. Uh, but Rosenthal he, for he a did. while was a great pick.
3: You definitely can't use um, – I mean, I, I think most people know not to draft off ADP, but uh, you have to go go get Rosenthal in your queue, and you have to take him around, pick 100 if you want him. Like, you can't – like, I know his ADP is still, like, 140s or whatever it is on, on the NFPC draft software, but, um, I mean, you, ha- you have to take him around, pick
2: one hundred. Let me ask you about a choice I just made because I mentioned I drafted Chris Bryant. Cabrian Hayes was still on the board. I know the projections are a little middling. I like Cabrian Hayes. What do you think? Did I make the right choice there with Bryant over Hayes at third base?
3: Yeah. I mean, the only reason I would go Hayes over Bryant is if I needed help in stolen bases. Like, more – I mean, you you always need help there, but like, you know, more you're really lacking then i think you go Hayes. but if if you've kind of covered your bases best to your ability at that point I, I think bryant um like it would be so chris bryant to me to have a monster year in his walk year sign like a big contract and then have a terrible year next year like i think that that's i think that that's uh what we're all going to be in for
2: it seems like a lot to happen a real quick note before we move on uh, from our friends over at AutoNew, AutoNew Fantasy Baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate prospects to lead your team in the future or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays AutoNew becomes addicted at AutoNewBaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U-Baseball.com. Auto new better fantasy baseball. I have no idea what just made me think of it, but did you know that Shaq is in a wrestling match tonight, James? Um, on AEW I didn't wrestling, have, I did it's not know that is gonna be just amazing. <laughs> he's gonna get himself hurt, he's gonna tear a hamstring just getting in the ring. I think. Um, I do love TGFBI, and thanks to Justin Mason. I when I complain about people drafting, I, I hope Justin knows that I'm just kind of having fun and I'm not really mad about these things but uh, just out of you know the generosity just out of the kindness of your heart speed it up people I, I, I want to make some more picks I'm, I'm anxious uh, but uh, I'm having fun with this but the slow drafts can be like painful when you're sitting at home for three hours just staring at the
3: screen well I think they're more painful for they're more painful for you and I probably than most people just because like we're so, sitting ignorant. at our screens looking at baseball like all day long,
2: yeah.
3: And, and so, like, if if I had a real job and was just in like meetings all day and stuff, I wouldn't be as bothered by it. But it's just like you're, st- you're just you have that window open on the side, you're just like, Am I up dead? Oh, it's it's still on the guy that it was on an hour and a half, <laughs>
2: yeah. Cool. So, I, I could have done something with my night, like, <laughs> it's on me, I guess, but I. Yeah, like last night I was, you know, I had the Reds game on. First televised Reds game I was enjoying it. Uh aside from Hunter Green looking pretty rocky. But you know, after a couple hours go by, I'm like, this guy's still on the clock. I need to just close the laptop and do something else. Uh but yeah, some of the people who have, you know, real jobs, um, I realize that it's you know, things get in the way, life gets in the way. But I uh, I'm gonna continue to shame people on Twitter, James. Um, I'll bully them into <laughs> making their pick. I'm kidding. But, um, just kind of
3: rattle them. Just get yeah. in their heads and rattle them. Rattle them into making some bad picks.
2: Actually, when I said something about, like on Twitter yesterday, about unfollowing all the people that were taking forever, a couple <laughs> of people DM'd me, were like, sorry, I'll, I'll pick it up. I was like, dude, I was kidding. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, at the same time, I do want to pressure them to, to pick in a timely yeah. manner. <laughs> so I didn't want to completely give it away that I was just joking. Um all right, James. Farm Futures, 148 AL Central Prospects. You need to know. Looking forward to diving into this because we are off this Friday on on Farm Friday. You are off, so we'll not get to talk to you there. So, um, you know, looking forward to breaking this down. And then you will be back from your little uh, mini vacation as we do some some activities together for First Pitch Florida. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so tune in this weekend if you, if you want to talk about that. James and I, again, off on Farm Friday, but we'll talk to- – Talk about these AL central prospects you need to know. And Andrew Vaughn, no, no shocker, leading off the White Sox, uh, making a lot of noise, and it sounds like he's going to be a guy with helium. We're sharing a main event. I feel like come, come draft time in the main event, he could be going inside the top 200.
3: Well, uh, I happened to take him inside the top 200 in wow. the B. James Anderson League last night.
2: I love it. Is that, uh, did you set a new high? max or uh, a min pick
3: here what can you can you look up what his min pick is
2: i'm looking that up uh, right
3: now that was one of those where i was on the clock and i just didn't i didn't feel great about any of the any of the options and so i was just like all right it's andrew vontan and i know i can get like some boring first baseman later i ended up with heimer candelario
2: I oh, like uh, him. I mean, that's great. Yeah. So, uh so his men Let me say ahead. the min first. All right, 180. Was that set by okay. by you? So I
3: I took him This is Awesome Radio.
2: <laughs> in? We're just hanging out. I took out. him
3: at 1 I took him at 184.
2: Okay. So not quite the man, but very close. Not quite. I'm exactly with you, though. There gets a point in the draft around 150, 180, where the the player pool kind of just becomes a wash. Like the, the margins between each player are very thin, like, so chase some upside.
3: Like anyone I would have taken there, there was like a decent chance they were going to be available with my next pick or even like a couple picks later. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I knew Andrew Vaughn wasn't going to be around much longer. And then, yeah, I mean, 12-teamer, if I have to start Heimer Candelario for a little bit, that's not a bad problem at all. So, yeah, I thought it made sense. I mean, that that bomb he hit the other day was really impressive. Obviously, he's, uh, I mean, they have kind of made a point of their depth chart not doing anything to block him. Uh So, I mean, I I think it's, it's trending in that direction for sure, right? I don't know if they're going to come to some sort of long term extension or, or maybe just break with them. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they broke camp with them, even if they didn't have an extension, because um, especially with there being no AAA season uh, starting until May,
2: like, that's a pain.
3: What could you possibly show the team at the alt site for? <laughs> two weeks for them to be like, okay, now now you're ready. Right. Now that you beat up on our terrible pitchers who couldn't break the twenty six man roster, now now we know you're ready.
2: Now we've seen enough. Yeah, that's it's pretty fascinating. In um, that delayed AAA season, we just got that news officially yesterday by at least a month, right? So, I mean, I've seen some people speculating that maybe that affects Jared Kelnick and some others, but and maybe it could, but. Because they use that excuse, you know, working on your defense at AAA and all that. But do you see that affecting some of the top guys? Uh,
3: I think it's I think it's a good thing for Kalanick and Vaughn. Um, they Vaughn Vaughn especially like the white the White Sox. I just wrote an article that went up earlier today uh, with some best bets on American League over under win totals. And the White Sox have a higher over under than the Twins do. I mm. I still think the Twins win that division, but I mean this is a team with World Series aspirations this year. So, like, are you gonna are you gonna leave your clear best designated hitter at the alt side for a couple of weeks? And I mean that that division could come down to like a game or two. So mm-hmm. I mean I I think it's it's really good for Vaughn, uh, Kelnick. Like it's a different situation because the Mariners. I mean, I know they've made some semi-win now moves, but they're realistically they're not really a threat in that division. Uh, so, it's it's more about like I, I wonder. I mean, I'm probably giving Rob Manford way too much credit here by even suggesting it, but like I wonder if the commissioner's office like kind of has a talk with Seattle and it's just like, look, like that was embarrassing. What happened a couple weeks ago? Um, Like it's just going to be People are going to talk about this for multiple weeks If you send him down And kind of as punishment For how embarrassing that was And for Potential money you might have Cost the rest of the teams by that uh, Getting leaked to the public Like you're just going to have to break camp with this guy Like I mean that's probably yeah. Way too sensible and everything For it to actually come from the commissioner's office But um, <laughs> Yeah I mean, I don't know. I I just I think it would be kind of a circus if they sent Kellner down to the alt site for a couple of weeks. Like I, that, just yeah, would and he'd be probably he'd speak so publicly transparent about, about it. Yeah, I mean, do you want the one of the future faces of your franchise to just hate the entire organization,
2: like <laughs> and talk is that crap about it for? publicly, and they get sent yeah. down? Yeah, it's insane. I I hope to see him right off the bat. I think he'll probably deserve to be there. I mean if he plays anything like he was playing last spring, I mean, they're going to, he's going to force their hand, I think. And yeah, just that old Kevin Mather nonsense was just insane.
3: Hey, hey really quickly before mm. we get to the AL central, did you see the Jack that your boy Wander Franco hit today?
2: I did see that.
3: Are I are you, actually it, saw
2: him yesterday and I was he kind of had like a lazy pop out and I was, you know, didn't see anything noteworthy, but yeah, I saw that one today.
3: I see, are wow. you going to get back in? <laughs>
2: Maybe I'll have to. You know, I love to overreact to one spring homer. So no, I I could see it. He's kind of like with Vaughn and and Kelnick. He's kind of uh, becoming a little bit of an afterthought, which is insane. Um,
3: well, I think it's just there's just too crowded. Like like if if they traded Willie Adames to your Reds today, I think you'd see Wander Franco's ADP go up like by a hundred plus picks. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, people probably. just kind of, and I think rightfully so. I think you look at the depth chart, and it's just like, well, like who who's now going to have to sit so that Wanda Franco can play almost every day? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's tough to figure out at this point.
2: Who was that other guy that you and Jason Collette mentioned on that team who could maybe move around and play short? Taylor,
3: Taylor Walls. Yeah.
2: So you don't think you know? Obviously, he's not well, like he's, a long term obstacle but, for. Frank.
3: I mean, Walls is kind of a you know just a classic Rays guy like he's kind of Joey Wendell like Brandon Lau before Brandon Lau blew up um, just you Zobrist. know him around all over the place playing like three four days a week like he's the type of guy you promote even if you don't have regular playing time for him but I just it's hard for me to imagine them bringing up Wander Franco to only play like three or four days a week
2: yeah now you're talking me into getting back on board maybe I'll pop him here in the ninth round. no I won't do that uh, but now we're already getting to the point in TGFBI where things are in the player pool, kind of bleeding together, and things. You know, a guy who I might want to hear, like you know, I have Kikuchi really high on my board, and you know, guys like Chris Bassett pretty high, Gio Urshela. But maybe it's time where I, you know, in pursuit of that overall, start chasing some some of these prospects. We'll have to see. You know, it's always stash and season around here, James. Um, by the way, you know, when we share that. That main team. If the price on Vaughn is still around one eighty, can can we get another (laughs) share? You think? Can I talk you into? Of course, of course. Sounds good. So, anybody else here in this White Sox system? You wrote up one hundred forty-eight prospects for this article. Only twenty from this White Sox system. Anybody else you want to talk about, or should we move on to Cleveland? Um, It's
3: just an extremely top-heavy system. I mean, it's kind of. It's bizarre how bad they are at hitting on guys sort of in the middle to late rounds of the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, everyone kind of knows the the top guys in that system,
2: so we can move on. So while only twenty White Sox you need to know, uh, forty eight Cleveland players you wrote up for for this week. Uh, Tyler Freeman headlines the the system here for you, followed by George Valera. Now Valera, we haven't seen much of him. And pro ball and it seemed like last year maybe his stock was slipping a little bit not just with you but in the entire prospect community uh obviously not ready to give up on him and you have him pretty highly ranked even ahead of a guy like tristan mckenzie who we've already seen uh but you think valera's skill set's gonna gonna translate and as he moves up the ladder uh he's gonna encounter a little resistance
3: i just think it was a really positive year for him uh 2020 which you know i think it's last year was a a rough year for certain prospects missing that really valuable developmental time um but i think it actually i think he might have gotten more done at the alt site working with their best instructors and best coaches in a controlled environment than than if he had been at like low a all year uh he kind of it seemed to me like he maybe developed some bad habits when he was in short season ball. And he was, you know, kind of al- always like when he, when he first signed and like everything, it was kind of, this guy could have a plus hit tool and, you know, maybe average or better power. Well, now he's got plus raw power. And I think he started falling in love with it in the ball out of the park, uh, in the New York Penn league. So I think it was great for him to just get at that alt site and really sort of focus on like, you know, let's let's sort of develop that approach a little bit more. Let's uh, kind of take what the pitchers give you. The power is going to be there. Uh, you don't have to worry about trying to get to that uh, too much uh, in a conscious way. Just, um, I think I think it was a big year for him, and uh, he's he's a left fielder kind of all the way. So it's, you know, he's going to have to hit, but I, I think I think he's going to do it. I think he could be a guy that finishes the year inside the top fifteen.
2: It's really good to know because obviously we don't have minor league games to go off of last year, and most people, you know, they probably didn't see whatever you saw about Valera's uh, alt site showing, but you've been digging around a lot for our magazine. You put in countless hours to, to research this, and so that's it's good to hear that everything was looking better for Valera at that alt site. Maybe he was cleaning up some of those bad habits. Tristan McKenzie, I mentioned, and I was listening to uh, Rates and Barrels recently, and I was a little surprised to hear Eno say that he was pretty on Tristan McKenzie for this year. Uh, good to know because I'm going to be competing against Eno and AL Labor this weekend. So I'll push him up just to uh, make Eno mad, but I actually don't really have much interest in McKenzie for, for 2021. Uh, it looked really good, but I do worry about him holding up how many innings we're going to get. What about you on McKenzie? Do you see yourself drafting him for this season?
3: No, not at all. Uh, I'm just really worried about the durability. I mean, it and just, like, how many innings do we even think they're going to allow him to throw in the majors this year? Like, it's just to expect him to even get to, like, 100 innings in the rotation to me is kind of a stretch just based on what he's done these last three years. And, I mean, he that guy's probably got, like, a 28 waist. Um, like, it's just, it's not a starter's build at all. <laughs> That And that that doesn't mean that he can't um, defy the odds and make it work Like over the course of his career. I just don't think this is that year where he proves to us that he's like a 150-plus inning pitcher. I think next year they'll probably let him push up past like 120, 130 innings and just sort of see how far he can go. But I, I just don't think that's this year. And the, they have so much... Uh, rotation depth. I mean, they keep trading guys away, but they just have so many more guys coming that there's always somebody else that they can st- they can bring up and have step into that role. So I, I mean, I, at cost, I've said this all draft season, but at cost, I'd rather take Cal Quantrill at pick like 300 than Tristan McKenzie at pick 180. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean, like Cal Quantrill's not even a lock to make that rotation. I just think he is going to perform if he does make it and the draft capital it takes to get him like if you if you blow that pick it's not the end of the world i mean i i just if you take a guy at pick 180 and you only get like 14 starts out of him 12 starts out of him i just that that doesn't make sense to me
2: yeah i've got about a 60 spot gap between adp and where i have him i have him 243 mckenzie on my top 300 um yeah, I do. I mean, I like the skills, but I just, for this year, I'm not going to be in on him. And maybe he spends some time at the outside or AAA, too. It should not be ruled out. Him and Savali, right back-to-back back in ADP, that's kind of interesting. I'd rather have Savali uh, by, by a fair amount. But um, oh yeah, whenever Eno says, you know, that caught my attention, whenever he likes a guy. Of course, my ears are going to peek up a little bit. Uh, right behind him in this Cleveland system, James, Nolan Jones and Brian Roscio. Uh, Roshio, a J2 guy from 2017. Uh, Nolan Jones, third base outfielder, he's on the 40-man roster. Do we see him this year?
3: Yeah, probably. Uh, I just... I am skeptical about what type of batting average we're going to get from Nolan Jones, especially early in his career. He... You know, there might be a bigger gap between his value in OBP leagues and average leagues than any other top 100 prospect. He's just he runs these crazy high walk rates, and I think he's a pretty safe bet to do kind of like Max Muncie stuff in a in an OBP league during his prime. But in a batting average league, I mean, he could be a guy that just kind of regularly hits like 235, 240 and you're getting power, and you're getting counting stats and all that, but uh, just not a guy that piques my interest in re leagues at all, really.
2: And behind uh, Roscio at five, Tanner Burns, Isaiah Green, Daniel Espino, Emmanuel Classe, Carson Tucker. Uh, you usually don't see relief pitching prospects all that high in your rankings or anybody's prospect rankings, but especially fantasy-driven prospect rankings, but Classe, you know, that stuff... He has future closer written over him. He's had some off the field issues, uh, a suspension for PEDs, but do you think Classe could be a dark horse to save games this season?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've kind of actually grown more skeptical of that. Um, I was listening to the Rotosaurus guys talking about this closer situation, and they're they're both Cleveland fans. Um, so, I mean, I think they're more plugged in on it than, than I am. And they – it sounds like they kind of think it might be Blake Parker.
2: Wow. Just not as even a way Nick, of, Nick Whitgren?
3: But Blake Parker. Well, I mean, Blake Parker has saved double-digit saves in 2018, 2019. And Cleveland is just so ridiculously cheap that they might just want to keep Karinchek and classes, uh salaries down by not letting them get saves um i mean any team that's cheap enough to make some of the moves they've made in recent years like i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't put it past them and they could still like cleveland is kind of like they're just one of those teams where they're gonna win games even if they just do it in a despicable fashion (laughs) like that like they they could just do all kinds of games to try to keep the prices on these guys down, but they're so valuable that, like, if you use Karinczak and Class A in a setup role, I mean, your bullpen's still going to be awesome.
2: That's a good point, man. I've I've moved Karinczak down my board fair ways behind the Rosenthal's and the the hands and even, like, Kirby Yates. Um, love the skills, but, yeah, I'm growing, you know, more reluctant to draft him just because of the uncertainty as to whether he will be closing. I mentioned that there were 48 Cleveland players here. Anybody else down the list, or should we move on to the Tigers? Uh, We can move on. So Spencer Torkelson, sounds like he's going to be back in action. He's the number one. No surprise there is the number one pick in last year's draft. Um, What was it, a uh, finger injury that had him sidelined? Slicing his right index finger at home, so nothing very mild they described it as. This shouldn't cost him much time. Uh, no real doubts that he's going to hit.
3: No. And worth noting, I think he played first base today. Uh, oh. So I know there's been some talk about them trying him at third base. Uh, I think they're definitely keeping their options open in terms of him being more of a first
2: baseman, which is where I still
3: project him to end up.
2: And I saw that, you know the Tigers kind of got on Garrett Cole the other day, which uh, early spring shouldn't read anything into it. But it was good to see that Riley Green had a nice, you know, pro- professional plate appearance against a guy like Garrett Cole. Uh, only twenty years old, and he has not played much above the rookie ball level. Only uh, twenty four games with a full season affiliate, so uh, a work in progress. But what's the upside with uh, Riley Green?
3: He's a stud, and I think it's it's still a, a decent time to try to trade for him in Dynasty Leagues. I think uh, if anyone's not valuing him as a top-15 prospect, I think that's a mistake. Um, and I, I kind of almost think this is trending towards a situation where he's kind of looking big league ready around July-ish, and the Tigers will just keep him down for those final few months to manipulate his service time, and then... I mean it might even be it might be Green, not Torkelson, who we're kind of drafting super high in redraft leagues with the expectation that they're just gonna play service time games before he's up. Like I, I think Torkelson could be that advanced and that ready as well, but I'm I'm almost more confident Riley Green's gonna be big league ready in April of twenty twenty two than I am Torkelson.
2: Very interesting. Then the a trio of starters behind those two Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Tariq Scuble. Um, you know, Mize the, the shines already off a little bit after he struggled in, in his debut. Uh it's only seven starts with a six nine nine ERA and one four eight whip. Any of these guys you're eyeing up as a, even in those like fifty round draft and holds as as viable stashes?
3: Well they're they're all viable in that format. Uh, Matt Manning pitched today and I think I saw on Twitter that his fastball velocity was like 91 to 93 which would be down about three or four ticks um, and he dealt with that elbow thing last year so just something to keep an eye on I mean I I hope I hope he's okay I hope that the velocity kind of shows up you know when he gets some more reps here this spring but just something to keep an eye on with him I mean that just based on where they're going in drafts, I might not end up with any of them anywhere, but uh, Matt Manning's the one I like most long-term.
2: Very nice. Well, you know, like the White Sox, the Tigers only have 20 players on their list here among the 148 AL Central prospects you need to know. But unlike the White Sox, they're not good at the major league level. So (laughs) uh, bleak now, and the future's not looking too great. I mean, Torkelson Green and those pitchers, pretty nice, but... You think that's not? You think that's they'd be further along? Nuclear. Yeah, yeah.
3: That, that's that's. You're still kind of only halfway there with those guys. And, and they've
2: been rebuilding for like five years too. It seems
3: like it. It's really, it's really pathetic. And uh, you know, of this, of the twenty guys I listed, like a quarter of them were just from this last draft class. So, I mean, their 2019 draft, their 2018 draft their 2017 draft. I mean, just not a lot to, to talk about, really. I mean, it's, and even on the international side of things, like Isaac Paredes, I mean, yeah, maybe Willie Castro is, is an everyday player, but um, just not an impressive rebuild at all. And they obviously, it's been well documented that the deals they passed on with uh, Michael Fulmer and Matt Boyd and stuff. I mean, it's just it's been a pretty bad rebuild.
2: Yeah, couldn't they have had like Baez or Carlos Correa for for Fulmer?
3: I think Ouch. it was Baez or Baez or Bregman,
2: maybe. Yikes, that's not great. Um, conversely, the Royals, you know, after those back-to-back World Series appearances, their rebuild was pretty swift, and they seem to be in a pretty good spot. When you when you say not necessarily for this year, but for the early twenty twenties. Yeah,
3: I think they're really trending in the right direction, and I think they might surprise people with how competitive they are this year. Uh, hmm. Back of the lineup is still pretty bad, but top half of the lineup is actually really pretty respectable. And they have just – Coming around on the, Ben
2: Intendi? I, I I kind of am. Um
3: can see it. I mean, it, like he's a competent big league number two hitter, I hmm. think.
2: Uh, Against righties, yeah.
3: He might be more valuable in real life than fantasy, honestly. Like, because it's just the OBP, and yeah, I still I still wonder about you know what's the max homers we see from him this year. What's the max stolen bases we see? Like, I don't know if he can even get to like 25 homers or 15 steals. So, um, I'm still iffy in that regard. But I think the runs and RBI and batting average should all be pretty solid with him. Um, but it's just, it's this pitching they've assembled is just so impressive. Uh, in their 2018 draft alone, um, they got, shoot, I think they got Brady Singer plus Lynch plus Cowher plus Jonathan Bolin plus Austin Cox. Like, I mean, they just cleaned up in that 2018 draft and then, uh, Bobby Witt, future face of the franchise, was an awesome pick in 2019. Um, I mean, it's just it's all really trending up for the Royals.
2: That's good. I, I wanted to just ask you about Ben and because I remember that 360-degree windmill dunk you guys laid down on me. Uh, you and Dave Potts when I mentioned uh, I was drafting. <laughs> Benintendi. Uh, but no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't
3: lay that <laughs> dunk. That was all big.
2: We talked about that on the radio, though. And I deserved it. I just liked it. I, I liked the tweet. I liked oh, the yeah. <laughs> No Dave... I love Dave. I'm just, just kidding around. But um you mentioned this pitching staff they've assembled. Do you think Asa Lacey, lefty top choice from the twenty twenty draft, is uh a part of that mix this season?
3: No, I think he's at, I think he's at least a twenty twenty two guy. Uh just really electric but command. I, I think it's gonna take a year at least for him, so more of a guy for future years but it's also that they have such a nice problem to have because they they need to have an opening for these guys to even get a shot so like daniel lynch jackson cower uh they're both pretty much ready but they're gonna need to wait for an opening in that rotation and then behind them i mean i think jonathan bolan and austin cox are probably closer to ready than asa lacy as well so they don't have to rush lacy at all they can give him plenty of seasoning in the minors and, and let him really get everything figured
2: out. And you reference Bobby Witt as being future face of the franchise. And a few weeks ago, Rob Silver stopped by unexpectedly to, to shed some light on Alberto Mondesi offering a, a bit of a dissenting opinion. And he said like, if this guy steals 60 bases, he may be the worst big league hitter ever to steal 60 bases. So do you think, you know, and Bobby Witt is included on your players we could see in 2021. Is there an outside chance that, Maybe Witt supplants Adalberto uh, Mondesi this year.
3: I would say 0% chance. I think Witt, Witt's already been working out at third base, so I think it's it's pretty clear that... Like, Mondesi is an amazing defender at shortstop. Witt's just a pretty good one, so I think you just leave Mondesi at short and you move Witt over to third. And I mean, he could be that could be kind of like a Manny Machado type of thing where you move him to third and all of a sudden he's a gold glove
2: defender. Good to know. Good to know. And finally the twins in the AL central Alex Kirloff. I hate to just, you know, I hate the analysis. That's just like this guy can hit, but that's kind of how I feel with Kirloff. Like he's just, he can hit and he's going to hit at the big league level.
3: Yeah. It's, it's really pretty simple with him for sure. Like I, I took him in the, uh, Baseball prospectus, prospect uh, mock draft that I'm taking part in again this year, and I had to write up like three sentences on him, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, he's just gonna hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else you want me to say. Like he's, he's not. Although he has been making more plays in the field, I feel than than uh, I kind of thought he would, but not really gonna run much. He's just he's there to rake, and he's gonna
2: rake. And you said on our. XM show a couple of weeks ago that Trevor Larnick is kind of getting you know some people kind of see him and Kirilov as being like somewhat equals but maybe Larnick's just a little bit away further ways but you've, you you stressed that no Kirilov is a better player and a better prospect long term.
3: Yeah, like Larnick probably has more raw power even though Kirilov I mean they they both might end up with 70 power but Larnick definitely has 70 power. It's just Kirilov's going to have at least like a plus hit tool and Larnak, I think he'd be lucky to get to 50 on the hit tool and it's just different types of hitters Kirilov always makes contact at, at an excellent clip Larnak has logged high strikeout rates at age-appropriate levels so it's just different different hit tools is kind of the big difference there and Larnak's even worse defensively like he's left field DH only and Kirilov at least uh, can play right, he can play left, uh, he can play first in a pinch.
2: Real quick, I just want to shout out Dustin Morse from the Minnesota Twins Communications and Player Relations because he's been tweeting out these short videos of people just saying their names. How to properly pronunciate the names and, you know, Trevor Larnock's a guy that I've probably called Trevor Larnotch, Trevor Larnick, um all kinds of weird things. So I just want to thank Dustin Morse and hopefully we can get like a, eventually like a database built up of just so that we're not mispronouncing these names, James. I'm sick of it. Sick of doing it myself. Uh, but between those two, Royce Lewis sandwiched in. Of course, terrible news. He's going to miss the entire season after a torn ACL. Uh, had surgery last week. So when he plays again in 2022, fingers crossed, it's going to be close to three years since he played a, a professional game and an affiliated ball. So how far does he fall on your your overall top 400?
3: I dropped him 20 spots, I think, uh, from 12 to 32 and yeah, it's just, it's a huge bummer because this is the type of thing that could really, I mean, it could affect his, his whole career. Like this is, these are valuable developmental reps, uh, that surgery, it's not a 100% thing. It's more kind of in that 82% range, kind of like Tommy John surgery. So, um, and it's on his it's on his plant leg which is the worst of the two legs if you're gonna have it so it's just it's a bummer uh i i mean he he's on the short list of guys that you hear the most positive comments about in terms of his makeup and his work ethic and all that stuff so i and like i've talked to him i mean he's he's a great guy like i have no doubt that he's gonna do everything in his power to come back even stronger but yeah, it's it's going to be tough, especially when the the one thing that was kind of in question was just his hit tool. And so when you miss that that much time, it's it's tough. But uh, if if someone wants to push him down like way past where I have him, I think that's a mistake. And that, you know maybe there's an opportunity here, uh, especially if you're a rebuilding team in a dynasty league. Maybe there's an opportunity here to, to buy low. Um, Especially if, if like you can get him for a non-top fifty prospect, I think that's that's a no-brainer right now. But it's yeah, it's it's just a huge bummer. It had me down like all day when I saw that news. Like he was one of the one of the guys I would have wished that upon the least. You know, I mean, like just someone that I really thought was going to prove uh, the doubters wrong this year, and we'll just you know we'll have to wait till twenty twenty two.
2: Yeah, those doubters were kind of chirping in after a rough year. What at high A. Uh, I think it was, or, you know, not a great run at double either. Um but yeah, that's too bad that he's not going to be able to to bounce back and show what he can do at the upper levels this season, hopefully not too far off. When did you talk to him a couple of years ago when you were doing that uh that well, minor league in that tour? AFL
3: AFL in 2019. Okay. Oh nice. He he was the MVP of the AFL that year. Uh played all over the field, looked really good every position he played, hit like 330 or something like that. Uh hit a for nice power guy.
2: Was, not a jerk. Yeah, that's good to hear. Well, right? I mean,
3: they're all nice. I mean, yeah. like the, I mean the except uh, except when uh, Welsh talked to Alec Bohm and Bohm big time then, But um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, didn't,
2: I didn't know that. That's funny. But
3: um, yeah, no, I mean he, he's really good guy. Uh, but he, I mean that's it was really that AFL performance that I was just like, no, this guy this guy's a stud. He like, he's going to be a stud. Like it's, it's, he's got this leg kick where, uh, just the timing mechanism I think was off, uh, that year, but he got it kind of all figured out and was, you know, facing, I mean, the pitching in the AFL is not amazing, but better pitching than he was facing at like high A and stuff. and, And he still was awesome. So, um, I, I don't really have any doubt in the talent, but this is, this is a lot to come back from, of course.
2: Yeah, I've never seen in the fall league somebody be like a real jerk to fans or to me. Certainly never has happened. But it it's funny how it sticks in your head when you see a player being a nice guy. Like we were well, sitting next to Glaber Torres, and he was just chopping it up with some little kid, and I was like, this guy, you know, at nineteen, twenty, whatever he was at the time, just seems like he's got a good head and his shoulders. Seems like a nice kid. You know, so that's who always actually, stuck with me.
3: You know who didn't. Seemed like the warmest guy or uh, the most engaging guy was uh, Victor Victor Mesa. That,
2: that <laughs> oh, one, no. There. That should have tipped he, you off. He, mm. uh,
3: I, I think that was actually – that was already after I had been wrong about him. Like he oh, had, had a hor- – he was coming off a horrible year. And, you know, you'd think a guy that had those types of expectations coming off of just a terrible, terrible year – would want to make up for it in the AFL, but he was just like, no, this is stupid. I, want to, I don't want to be here.
2: <laughs> I know that's the case with a lot of people, but maybe if you're coming off as of bad a year as he was, maybe you uh, want to show something. A top arm in this twim's, Twins system as we wrap things up today, James. Jordan Belazovic. I feel like we've been talking about this guy for a while. He was a 2016 draftee. Uh, you have him included on players we could see in 2021. What kind of role... Will Belazovic fill f- uh, when he first breaks in?
3: I think they just have so much rotation depth that is – and just kind of where they're at as a team. Like I, I think he, if he broke in this year, it would be out of the bullpen. Hmm. So not not a guy that I'm really going after in, in any kind of redraft league. But uh, I think you, you break him in out of the bullpen and maybe early next year he slots into that rotation or at least gets a look.
2: Nice. And then uh, just to round out the top 10 here in this twin system, Ryan Jeffers, Mycel Urbina, uh, Keani Cavaco, Aaron Sabato, and John Duran. I saw his pronunciation from Dustin Morris and I probably just got it wrong, but John Duran. So, uh, And then Matt Cantorino to round out the top 10. Anybody else here you want to just mention, any tidbits on any of these players?
3: Uh, I've been getting some questions about Urbina and, like, is he going to be, like, this guy that rises up rankings this year? Uh, he might. It's just there – I I saw um, – I think it might have been Eric Langenhagen at Fangraphs mentioned how maybe he slowed down a little bit and it's more about the bat now than it is about the speed and the defensive ability. And if he's no longer a plus runner, that – that kind of hurts his ability to move up. But uh, I've also seen reports that he that he is still a clear-plus runner, so just not sure where he's at physically, where his speed's at. So that's that's one to watch for early this
2: year. Nice. Well, James, I know you're taking a little time off this weekend. Well-deserved. I hope you enjoy it, man. And looking forward to talking to you again uh, at First Pitch, First Pitch Florida. I'll not be bugging you in your days off. I will. <laughs> Thanks,
3: uh, man. Uh, looking forward to it. <laughs>
2: Sounds good. Thank you all for listening and hope you'll join us again next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast.